All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Nick Montana, who is the CEO, the co-founder of Balto. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey, Matt. Thank you. Uh, Never better. Uh, Happy to be on here, and thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Happy to have you on. I definitely haven't had a... Um, a company quite in this space on the podcast yet. And I'm excited to have you on because it just seems fascinating what you're building. So kind of with that, let's just start with people that aren't familiar with Balto, with with your company. Um, What is Balto? What are you working on? So at Balto, we're building contest automation software. So what that means is it's really a fancy way of saying uh, we're creating uh, these really popular pool style games that you'll recognize and most people recognize from March Madness, which uh, you get a bunch of people together. A lot of times there's money involved and you're competing against one another for the best bracket in that case. Um, So we make a a software that helps that one person who sets all that up, does all the the grunt work on behalf of everybody else, um, the manager. We, We help them with tools to manage those style of games across a bunch of different sports and events. Um, and that's on the most uh, like simplistic, basic version. And what you'll start to see now as more states become legal is um, these larger form contests where professional bettors are uh, using these frameworks to compete against one another. Okay, so I have tons of questions. This is su- super fascinating. So the first one is that, did you build something where pretty much anyone can use it for any type of sport or activity or are there certain verticals that you only operate in and you're just expanding i guess how flexible is it if i wanted to to do this you know what would my options be that's a great question so right now it's it's very controlled from us and you know we essentially based on how popular or the demand for a certain game or sport we'll go ahead and build that so for us it's been your traditional american sports football you know basketball golf. Um, we had a big request for Game of Thrones for the final season. So we did one, a dead or alive pool for them. And that's something that we want to do and expand it and democratize it to more events. So let's, let's go into that, that last point you meant, uh, you, you said, um, the Game of Thrones. Can you, I'm having a hard time fully understanding what that would look like. So can you walk me through the experience you built with that and, uh, um, in kind of that direction. So I feel like that's like a use case that isn't as obvious as football, but could be really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So Game of Thrones specific, what you have is this group of really emphatic people uh, about the show. And particularly with the last show, all the questions were, all right, who's going to be dead? Who's going to be alive? And are they going to be a White Walker? So that was the simplest game that we've ever built. It was you're going to guess every single week and accumulate points based on how right you are guessing who is going to be which one of those three options. Based on that, you're competing against your friends on a leaderboard and, you know, moving up and down, talking a little smack um, and putting a little more on it, you know, as the weeks uh, progress. That's, uh, that's awesome. This is the coolest thing I've ever heard. So let's, let's talk about, um, let's go, I guess, maybe back to the roots a little bit. And I just talk about you know, football or, or yeah, let's just, let's just say football. So is this a way that you can almost get a, a manager to get a league of almost like, is it like fantasy sports? Is it betting on games? Can you kind of like, for someone that's not 
super involved in that world, which is which is me. Can you kind of educate me on how this fits into the to the anything you can do in the, in that category? Yeah, absolutely. It is a you know it, it's a tough one because it's in a gray area, but it is traditionally it's a type of sports betting, but by far the most basic, um, easily understandable and available to everybody. Um, and it's, so you have these three really sections here. It's your traditional sports betting. I'm betting with a book, you know, odds spread, all that, uh, daily fantasy sports, which is again, kind of on this line of, is it actually a game of skill versus what degree of it is actually betting? Um, and then there's these pool style bettings where it's paramutual, where, there is no concept of the house. There's 10 people putting in a hundred bucks and all that money's going to come from the people and go back to the people. Um, and so that's the, the key difference. And the reason why we don't touch any money and we, we are just the technology is because there's so many, um, you know, just difficulties when it comes to regulation that we don't even want to come close to. So we stick with the engagement portion of it. Okay. So if I wanted to, I'm going to give you a use case. And, uh, and I'm curious to know, like, if this is possible on Balto now or in the future, or if it's off base. So something I've recently been really interested in is esports and like VR stuff. I recently got a quest. Uh, it's actually right here. Uh, and it's, it changes the game, honestly, for VR. And like one day, maybe in a year, maybe in two, I want to start a local Phoenix VR esports club or something where you can like put in, you know, let's say like, I don't know, like low stakes, like 10 bucks. Play play a, for a day. You play a tournament. Then the winner gets like eighty bucks, and the 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 manager gets like twenty to get their cut. Is that is that what this is potentially designed for? At least in the future, or is that a little bit off base? No, you you can really take it you know any direction, and it's probably even better suited for uh, a situation like that because that is a game of skill at the end of the day. So you don't have to deal with a lot of the uh, intricacies that you would for when you're picking. Uh, other teams like you standardly would do in a pool style game can you actually um excuse me for my i guess naivety naivete but like can you explain what you just what you what you just said so that that relies on skills versus picking teams can you just i guess can you go a little deeper into that i, I didn't fully understand what you meant totally so when anyone is looking you know regulators are looking to decide whether something's gambling it has to require three things and so there's got to be some uh, some buy-in. Um, there's got to be some, you know, consideration of chance versus skill, some degree. And then there's, there's the third one is you're going to get a reward, whether that's cash or something else, um, you know, as for payment or, or winning it. So those three things determine um, what would be constituted as gambling. And the, the second one, which is skill versus, uh, you know, chance is really has been at the really the center of the US when you think about daily fantasy sports, FanDuel, DraftKings, all of a sudden they were a billion dollar company, then they couldn't operate. Um, that was to do with people trying to prove whether that was actually a game of skill versus chance. They ended up winning, proving it was more, more so skill than chance. Um, and then to confuse you even more, every state <laughs> regulates differently. So, you know, they can operate in 30 some states, but the other ones have very, you know, pointed laws saying, you know, if there's even 1% of chance involved, it's not skill, it's gambling. So it, it's a, uh, you can get into the weeds there, but that's essentially what that's talking about. Got it. That's really good to know. I, I didn't know that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. 
so it's so you're pretty much i guess i'm trying to wrap my head around it you you've built a way for people to create leagues of whatever they really want is it to the point now where where i could do what i said and it's flexible enough to that i know you said you have a hand in it now but i guess um kind of short term not super long term but short term what direction are you kind of rowing in in regards to flexibility of what you have now versus me and my crazy ideas bringing it to life as long as it's legal yeah we're trying to uh keep up with the crazy ideas of just the people in the sports world right now and so uh everything that we're building we're trying to make more game agnostic and flexible so you could do it for uh you know a frisbee league or you could do it for esports or i can put a pool together and bet you know the size of my sister's baby with my family um so any of those is where we want to be it is very difficult one of the challenges we found is keeping up with the amount of flexibility uh, of these managers and these admins that set these games up. Um, they're very particular. They set them up a million different ways for our tech team. That means a million different features to try and keep up. Um, and so it's, it's constant prioritization based on what we're hearing from uh, our users. Let's actually go into that. That's really interesting. Cause I do feel like this is a type of company where you, you probably get, as you just alluded to, tons of different feedback and i'm guessing a lot of the feedback and requests are going in top opposite directions of each other so how do you i guess two questions how do you as a company filter feedback and and requests and um secondly you you're so you're the ceo you're running the company do you how does that work when someone gives you an idea what do you actually do with that do you put it into a slack did you give it to a pm i'd love to hear that process too yeah, absolutely. So the first way uh, that we do feedback, so we have a couple different channels. A lot of them, you, you know, every company typically uses, um, um, whether that's through surveying, through email, um, social media. Um, one of the things that's been great for us because, you know, people do spend a lot of time on the site, particularly, you know, at the high volume times of, of sporting events, um, is just having the live uh, drift widget on there so we can talk to them live we can you know from there we'll tag those those issues conversations feature requests ideas um, and at the end of the week we just go through and wreck all the feedback from all the different channels that we had um, look at you know volume of requests and then decide on how that fits into our product roadmap and um, you know just how important those things are versus what's already being built that makes sense that leads me actually to an additional question down this path so I feel like there's kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum of schools of thought on how to think about, you know, getting feedback. There's the lean startup, you know, uh, Eric Reese, Steve, uh, uh, Steve Blink, which is like, listen to your users and they will guide the way, like talk to your users all the time. And then you got literally the opposite end of the spectrum, which is like, I would call it like a Raboyism, like a Keith Raboy thing, which is like, don't talk to, I mean, talk to people but don't really listen to their feedback. Just push what you think should exist on the world and in the, the world will either conform or not. And then there's everything in the middle. Where <laughs> would you say, um, like where would you say you kind of lie uh, as a company or as a CEO in regards to willing something into existence, you know, regardless of feedback versus very scientific? Um, how do you feel about that spectrum? Yeah, we've, we've leaned all the way to the lean startup method. So, you know, the way that we've built games has been uh, putting up games on our site that don't exist and asking people if they want to, um, you know, something as simple as joining a wait list to be notified when it's ready. So we can easily see 
wow, um, you know, 80% are on this versus another sport or event that we're thinking about building. Um, and a lot of times we're thinking, wow, this would be really cool, but nobody else cares about it. So it's a really good indication that you, you should be listening to people because uh, they're the ones, those are your customers. And they're the ones that are going to keep coming back and tell other people about your product. So uh, that's where we stick. Yeah, no, I like that. I feel like it, it works. I, I feel like it really depends. Like the answer to that question, what I found from, from this podcast, I do ask that question. It comes up, you know, a decent amount. And it really depends on, I think, the like the CEO and the leadership team, like just how they feel about stuff. And like, I don't think there's like a right or wrong answer. It's just like the way you're going to do things. And that's going to be different from the way they do it. And he does it and she does it, et cetera. So I think that's cool. So I want to dive a little more tactical, deeper, just into the product and more so like the user experience, because I think this is a really unique thing that you've built. And I want people that are listening to understand what they could do with it. Um, and I want to kind of talk about both sides, the manager side and then the user within a pool side. So let's start, let's start with manager. So um, I want to be a manager and I don't care what sport. H how do I start a pool? Like literally what's that process like um, if I wanted to start something, let's say football, let's just say it's football for simplicity's sake. What, what would I do next? Absolutely. So you already decided which type of sport. The next thing you'll do um, you know, after you decide football is which type of competition slash pool do you want to run? So there's a couple different variations. You know, let's take two of the most popular ones a pick them where you're going to pick every single week, a certain number of teams, and you're just trying to pick winners every single week, essentially. The other format is elimination style where, uh, your whole group enters the pool you try and pick one team you think is going to win each week. If you get that incorrect, you're eliminated and it's kind of last man or woman sur uh, uh, surviving at the top. So you want to, you want to successfully pick the strategy with that one um, is once you pick a team, you can never pick them again. So you're trying to pick teams that you think will win right now, but also save the better teams down the road. So you have an advantage over others. So it really depends on which style of game. So once you pick one of those games, um, you'll customize the game to your liking. And so part of the strength of our product is as a manager, you're going to find a bunch of customizations that you won't find on any other sites. And um, so after you go through and configure the pool to your liking, you'll go blast your group of friends on any medium you want, email, you know, text, social media, and they'll all start to join the pool. A lot of times if there's, if you're, you know, asking for a buy-in to up the ante, um, you know, we built in tools for you to help track that right on the leaderboard and it'll display to the rest of the pool. So if you got any people that are a little bit late on payments or trying to, you know, uh, duck, dodge, any of that stuff, uh, the whole pool can see it creates a little social pressure. Um, and, uh, from there, the game starts in accordance with that tournament or season. So, um, from there, it's pretty straightforward. And, uh... I don't know if this is a question that leads to like regulation and stuff, but I am curious is what is the, I mean, this also could be a culture thing that I, I may not understand, but let's say I'm a manager and I want to set up a pool. It's like some work. I got to manage it. Take some time. Is, is this set up so the manager gets a cut of something or the manager makes any money off it? Or is it, is it not like that? This is definitely a culture um, dissonance. So I guess, how does that work? If someone runs it, do they get some of the upside? You know, they should, but with regulation, they can't. Um, and in most, in a lot of states, you're, there's a strict rules against money and, you know, even being able to pool it versus 
how much certain dollar amounts. So again, it kind of gets into this really weedy, weedy uh, area where we just provide the technology, um, you know, entertainment only. We know people, we're not naive. We know people do play for money. Um, but uh, we just want to allow you the technology to make your life easier so you're not doing a bunch of Excel and whatnot. So I guess one more question about that. So let's go back to the VR, um, the eSports League idea. Because this is actually something like, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it now. I'm pretty, I got my hands tied and hands full. But <laughs> at some point, probably when I get like three more quests, I'm going to do it 100%. So that is not, you know, that's not, I mean, I guess what you were saying, that skill um, but is it since money, if I wanted to do what I just said, hypothetically, people, you know, people put in 10 bucks, I get a cut of like 10%. Let's say I just did that. Is that, is that something, sorry, 10% of the pool after it gets paid out. So like 90% get paid to the winner. Is that really illegal? Like to, even if it's not football or basketball or, or like the, or golf or uh, the, the masters, even if something so small, is that still regulated? So it's, it's illegal for in our con our context because it is more a game of skill. I mean, excuse me, a game of uh, chance than skill for that, for esports where you're actually playing. Um, if you're the best esports player in the world and I turn on uh, my brother's Xbox, you're going to beat me 10 out of 10 times. Whereas if you join this pool, there's a, there's a chance that, um, you know, you being less skillful in this, that you could still beat me a couple times. So I mean, that's a really basic way to, to kind of show you the, the, how they look at it, but that's just simply the, the nuts and bolts. That makes sense. I'm pretty much just trying to, at some point, there's a, an event is going to happen in, in the next five years where, where the, everything aligns, and I'm like, I'm starting an eSports league, and I'm just going to yeah. do it. It's, it's not going to happen anytime soon, but one day, one day it'll happen. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, you can run it for money, and you can take a cut as the manager. Uh, so I can uh, – counsel you on that one when the day comes <laughs> yeah yeah I, I will let you know it really honestly the only I have this problem actually let's get into this because this is something I deal with and I'm kind of curious if you deal with it too as a, as a founder and, and and CEO so something that I you know I'm not the best with is focus and not the kind of focus where it's like Matt you're sitting down for eight hours and you're working on this thing I can I, I'm great at that what I'm not as good at is Hey Matt, you're gonna do this one project for three months, and you're not gonna do other projects while you're working on this project. Focus on this project. I'm not good at that kind of focus. My mind wanders, and I explore. Um, do you do you deal with any of that working on on, on this, or just how do you feel about focus as a, as a as a co-founder and CEO of this company? That's a good question. It's it's difficult. I I definitely you know I think everybody's mind wanders, particularly people that are, you know, self-starters and, you know, ambitious entrepreneurial. Uh, I, you know, for me, I found something that works. It's just to write it down, get it out of my head. And, you know, I have a big archive of things I want to do in the future, things that in the near future and um, what's right now for exactly what I'm focused on in the moment. And so I feel like just getting it out helps me a lot. That's actually, that's awesome. Um, Cause it's, it's the longer it's in the, in the head, the more you just, the more it's in your head and consuming space that your, your current thing, it, you know, it, it's taken away from that. But if you write it down and you're like, all right, I'm acknowledging that this is something I'd like to do. I can't do it now, but it's on paper so I can do it another time. I feel like, wow, that's, I might, I might adopt that too. That's a great idea. There you go. Yeah. It'll, and you'll, you'll, uh, have two responses when you go back and read it. Some will be really funny. Like, why was I even thinking about that? And you know, you'll come back to some and be like, Hmm, going on here 
All right, that act, that actually reminds. Okay, so I have like a thirty second, maybe forty five second story, which which reminds me, which was just triggered by what you just said. Um, so the first, so I've started a couple of companies. One of them had decent success, but decided I wanted to get a job and get some stability. Um, and I'm like very happy with my decision. But like before everything, I had this idea. And this idea was to take Camp Fargo, and Camp Fargo was the student section at ASU. People camped out for a week uh, for a week to get football tickets, and it was like Camp Fargo as well as Fargo Arena. And I, my startup idea was to take that and bring it to other campuses. Like we're Camp Fargo, and we're gonna make a tent camp around places so students can camp and get tickets, and it creates culture. And that was literally my first startup idea, and it's probably the worst fucking idea I could have ever thought of in my life. So it's just very funny that you, that you said you're gonna look back and laugh because I definitely do. I think if you look, if you were to uh, someone were to audit the the iPhone notes of you know the population in San Francisco, you'll find a lot of laughable things. But hey, they're trying, and I respect that. So yeah, definitely. Um, that, that's what it's about. So what what is your obviously you don't have an average day. You, you know, you're a startup founder of, of, a, of a decently early stage company. Every day is probably going to be different, but if you can give me any idea, what are some of the activities that you're spending time on? Um, also, if you can give a little context to tell us how big um, your company is, just so we know if it's like just you or it's like 20 people or just to like for that context for people listening. Yeah, absolutely. So there's six of us. We're, we're definitely lean. Uh, we've always been a lean, scrappy group. Um, and you know, day to day, it just like anyone will tell you, it'll range a lot, but you know, every morning at eight 15, we're on as a team, uh, on a, on a all hands and we'll go through, um, you know, looking at our, starting with our goals and our top line metrics, and then funnel that down into growth focused and, uh, product slash tech focused initiatives on, you know, what we're doing to you know, reach those goals. Um, and so everything starts the day with that in mind of what's most important what are we doing to get there? Um, and, and it's also a constant learning process of here, you know, here's what we've been doing, trying. Um, and that's where some of the great ideas come out, you know, just as you're circled up, huddled up, talking through those, um, a lot of meetings after that. Um, and just looking at ways to be, uh, you know, a better company, you know, as a CEO, you're always fundraising, hiring, um, you know, thinking about the company and, and recruiting. So, uh, you know, keeping those, those are always at the top of my list. And then with a small scrappy startup, you got to do and jump on some things that, um, you know, are out of scope and that's exactly what you signed up for. So you got to be ready for the unexpected too. Yeah. That last point's crucial. Things are going to happen that you don't expect. You, you need not even the, the time, but like the mental space to be able to work to like shift what you're doing to work on like a crisis or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you you mentioned tell me if i heard this wrong but i heard that you did you were doing you are doing all hands every morning 8:15 there's some people that think meetings are largely unnecessary obviously some are but there's there's a camp of people that are like screw meetings and if they heard that there's a company doing a meeting every day just to do an all hands they would be like stupid idea i mean i don't agree with that but i'm kind of curious how do you feel about this argument of too many meetings is bad meetings are good like if you're doing an all hands every day i guess like do you have, do you have a do you have a dog in that fight or an opinion on any of that i think well i have two things well one we're a distributed company so the for me it's important to get everybody together and then whether we were distributed or not um 
I, I, what, one of the biggest things I've learned is alignment. And it's so easy to become unaligned and have people going in different directions that um, to take a few minutes and, you know, I'm with all the people that say they hate meetings. I hate meetings too, but it is so much more important to be on the same page and, you know, running as a group than it is to spend, to not spend 30 minutes. So that's where I sit. Have you read um, the book? It's by, it's by Peter Drucker. Um, it's one of his books. Oh, God, I'm going to screw this up. Um, Oh, no, no, no. Have you read High Output Management by Andy Grove um, and his section on meetings? Do you know what I'm referring to? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what I love is that the reframing of meetings instead of a waste of time, like meetings is where management happens. Like you don't like, like that's like you either get information or you delegate or you, um, there was one other thing that I forgot, but it's pretty much like if you don't have meetings, it's going to be a madhouse. So I actually, I do like meetings as long as they're just necessary and filled with good content, you know? Absolutely. You know, that's kind of what it comes down to is you never want to have a meeting to have a meeting, but there, you know, I feel like when things are moving so quickly and changing directions so quickly, there's always something to, you know, you know, get to group around and get aligned on and um, get people fired up and excited, particularly with distributed teams. So it becomes even more important to get everybody, um, then culture, when you talk about culture with distributed, you know, part of it is seeing everybody's face, you know, every morning we're in this together uh, because we don't have the luxury of, you know, tapping on someone's shoulder, essentially. Yeah, I 100%. Um, the company I work for is distributed. We're, we're about 30 people and um, I love it. You know, there's some cons to it, but there's also, I think, way more pros than cons. I'm curious for you, where... <sighs> There's this VC high, I think I'm future of work in the category of productivity tools. I think it's like a little silly. I think people are like too much going in on productivity tools, but at the same time, like that's money, right? Your time is your money. So I'm curious for you, what tools do you use that you love that if you have any that aren't the slacks or the zoom, like the ones that might be like a little, little lesser known and, or are there any tools that you wish existed that made managing your remote workforce a little easier? It's a good question. Uh, I, so one of the productivity products that I use religiously is Asana. Um, you know, it's a big, I know a lot of people use them, but I use it for work. I use it for my personal life. Um, and I use it for any other, you know, operational activity, anything that I do, whether it's the charity work I do, um, I put everything in Asana because that helps me think. And again, prioritize when I was telling you, thinking about things that I want to do now in the future in a couple months, that all goes in Asana for me. And it's just a really easy tool that I have fallen in love with. Tell me about your personal, your, your, the, the, your personal quote unquote stack. So you use it for work, but like everyone uses it for work. I didn't, I haven't heard that much that you use it for personal. Do you mind going into like how you use it for your personal life? And if you do have like a personal tech stack to help you manage your own psychology in your own life, I would love to hear it. Yeah. So I use it. That's really the only one that I do use for personal. Um, and I use it in a bunch of different ways. If someone mentions uh, probably in a lot of ways that people use their notes for iPhone, which I do use from time to time, I organize a lot of that stuff in Asana. So if you give me a good book recommendation, it's going to go in there. Um, and it helps me keep everything organized. Um, whether that's, you know, tasks outside of work, goals, things like that, I can easily just plug it in there. And, you know, I've found that since I'm looking at it a lot for work or um, 
or personal, it helps both sides. It helps me stay true to that and, and continue to look and reference it where a lot of the other productivity tools I've tried, I use for a week and then forget. And they just haven't stuck in the same way for me. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because um, I totally agree on the productivity front. And there are, I'm gonna like, there are just so many VCs that are on the future of work that like that are trying to tackle like the productivity app kind of category. And I'm just like, what about the access and opportunity category? I feel like that's like the very non-sexy, like get freelancers better, you know, whatever, get like, you know, whatever it is. I just feel like people are over indexing on these tools and under indexing on like people and getting them paid and, and making and making that possible, like not in a giant company. I, my last company was in the future of work and like that, that realm. So I, uh, I guess I have like a slight dog in the fight and that like I care about that. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. I, I was just having a conversation with uh, one of our advisors about this kind of reverse what, what's happening right now. And you, you touched on it. All these productivity tools that have been created are actually leading to less productivity because you got so much noise. And so now you're seeing companies that are aggregating all those. I just saw another one enough said that raised like 5 million uh, to kind of bring everything into one view, which I don't, I think that might hurt, hurt the way I do things personally, but, uh, you know, we'll see, there's a lot going on on that side and uh, definitely some opportunity. Well, it's so funny you mentioned that because that's how a lot of industries work. I think another, like, so I was, I want, I'm not an investor, but like, I feel like I am helpful to people that are founding companies. So I guess you could say like I was pitched or told or whatever, a company that pretty much was, a, a aggregator of iBuyers. So you can get an open door offer, you can get an offer from OfferPad, you can get this offer offer, we'll compare it and let you know the best one. And that's like a layer above. And then you got um, like freelancer marketplaces, the same thing. And I, it's just, you know, the industry, in my opinion, um, for what it's worth is like, it's kind of maybe tapped out on one level of innovation, when there's companies being built on top of the original crop of companies to aggregate I feel like that's when you know like you shouldn't be building in that first level anymore definitely uh just looking at the greater trends that are going on it's time to to keep moving um i completely agree with that what trend speaking of trends um i mean obviously you're, you're spending most of your mental capacity when you're working on this but we'd love to hear you know if, if you weren't actually let me frame it like this let's say you got bought out for a billion dollars, enough money that you you take the check hypothetically, um, and you, but the one stipulation was you had to work on on like one or two companies with that money, but not not what you're doing now. Um, mm -hmm. What uh, what would you do? <laughs> What's interesting? Good question. I think for me, um, one of the things I'd love to focus on is. And, and it's kind of on, it has, it's relatable to the productivity side of where there's so much noise going on for people at work. Um, you know, in the same ways it happens for your social life and whether that's all these different apps people are on, uh, I think there'll be an opportunity similar in that space that, that could be interesting. Um, if you're a reader and you're thinking about news and all you get is from an algorithm, that's another interesting thing to think about. Um, you know, outside of that, I, there's a, there's probably obviously the, the bigger things going on right now in AI and, and blockchain would be super interesting to, to dive into too, um, on a, you know, further out, but, but yeah, probably starting with those. I feel, well, I feel like, 
you, I mean, speaking of blockchain, I was going to mention this later, um, it, like in a little bit, but uh, I, I mean, blockchain, do you see potential use cases for blockchain within Balto at some point? I think there is some synergy there. Do you, do you think about blockchain in your future product roadmap? I, it's totally come across our minds and our, you know, if you said that to our, our head of tech, he would, he would uh, go bananas because he, he absolutely loves that. The reality is right now, not enough people in the sports betting is, you know, it's hard to acquire customers in general. Um, and then putting that on, you know, as another thing that they're going to have to think about and do uh, just kind of decreases the size of your customer pool even more. So it's not advantageous for us right now. It makes a ton of sense though. Uh, and I'm sure it will be the future at some point um, just because of the way, you know, these contracts work and being able to do more than um, you know, what you're able to do today. Yeah, for sure. I'm with that. Then another question, potentially like totally unrelated, but it's, it's a top of my mind. So today I decided, so speaking of like blockchain and that stuff, I'm going to talk about crypto for like a second, then we can bounce back out. But I was really involved in the crypto, crypto stuff in 2017. And I think I actually played that pretty right. But then after all that happened, I haven't really jumped back in. But today, I think I decided I'm going to get back in. So I put some, like not much, but like a little money in. I'm playing the game because like everything's kind of, I feel like it's on the rise. Do you have any interest in cryptocurrency? Are you paying any attention or is it just, you know, a different world at the moment for what you're working on? Yeah, I don't pay enough attention. And, you know, that's something... You know, if I if I did get that check that you're talking about, I would pay a lot of attention. It's just something that there's so many interesting implications for it that I'd love to go down some uh, rabbit holes with. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, there's a, some fascinating things people are working on that I hear about from time to time. And um, I haven't spent enough time today, but I will. Yeah, well... I mean, if I were you, like, th again, this is welcome to my life. Like right now I'm not, I'm not founding a company. So I feel like, I mean, I, I have a great job at Prenda, but like, I, it's not, I think it's different. If, if you're an early employee, I still work a ton, like eight to 10 hours a day, maybe more, but it's different when, when it's your own company and you started it, like you're, you're putting everything in. So I do have like, I give myself a little capacity to like be interested in other stuff and like work on other stuff. And I don't know. I just like, I feel cryptocurrency it's not an if obviously it's a when and like i feel like a company like yours would leverage it when it's in enough so it makes sense like five years from now or ten years from now it's just like when is it gonna happen as a utility is my question yeah that, that's absolutely true you know some of the most of the information i get uh on crypto you know spurs from fred wilson's blog so he's got a lot of interesting thoughts on and interesting timelines, you know, how he writes and when he thinks, you know, we'll start to see like, for instance, the first consumer app uh, completely, you know, built on Ethereum or, or one of the, the uh, currencies. So um, yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I need to spend more time and um, right. yeah, that's, that's something I plan on doing. I mean, who, so shifting a little bit, you mentioned that you follow Fred Wilson's blog, amazing blog, also an amazing domain at abc.com. Um, what, uh, what other people would you put in that category, aka people that you follow for information, for signal, maybe mentor type-ish people? Who would you put in that same category? The only other one that I follow religiously like that is Paul Graham. So, you know, he's a great Twitter follow. Uh, he's <laughs> Obviously, I've read every single one of his essays, as I think everybody that is interested in startups has. But um, yeah, it just seems like everything that they put out is 
gold and uh, I want to know about it. Okay. I, I have one, one thing to say on that. So, so, so I'm, I'm also a big fan of Paul Graham. And today I responded to one of his tweets in like 20 seconds. And it was a very smart response. It was a response that I thought he would like. And he responded to my response. And today my Twitter following count literally went up by 10%. In a day, and I don't have that many followers. Like I got like a thousand three hundred eighty-six. But this morning, I had like thirteen hundred. So I I grew by eighty-six by just commenting. Like Paul. Anyways, I got excited about that because like he responded to me. He like saw my name. It's like slight brand equity for like ten years down the line. I was excited yeah. about that. <laughs> As you should be. It's cool, man. Uh, I'll you'll have to send that to me. I'd love to see it. But do, uh, do you? Um, I'm curious. Like. Is Paul, do you have any, do you, is the only relationship you have with him, like through, I mean, Twitter, like re- consuming his stuff, do you, do you like c- converse with him or know him at all? Is it more of like an afar mentor from, from, from the sky? He was the first investor in our company. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, he's always been extremely helpful and just a wealth of, of knowledge. You know, like kind of, like I said, anything that comes out of his mouth and, and, Honestly, Jessica Livingston's as well is just, they've been around so much. They've seen so much that it's, it's an incredible opportunity just to, you know, be around it and listen in and, and uh, try and contribute when you can. So I have a question that might be going down like a potentially slippery slope. And if you don't want to go down, that's totally fine. But I, I am, I've, I'm very curious. So like Paul, Paul's startup pretty much was YC and he made it into a massive success. And now it's like you get now he's not running it. He's involved. However, he's involved, but he's not running it. Do you like, do you think that like, do you think that's the same uh, scenario of like a uh, Reed Hoffman handing, handing off to uh, I mean, I'm forgetting the CEO's name, but like the next CEO of LinkedIn, he's handing it off. I guess like, how do you think Paul feels about YC? Is it still like his baby? Is it something that someone else runs? Do you have any insight into that? If you're open to chatting about it, if not, that's also totally fine. Yeah, I have no, you know, I can't speak on his behalf at all, but just at least from personal experience and, you know, talking to other people that, you know, have had companies and have had to leave them, sell them, do anything um, that separates them from it. You you spend so much time with anything, whether that's an individual or your baby, a a company, you get attached to it, you get attached to the people to, you know, you'll never forget the grind and, you know, working pushing towards a goal and everybody uniting around that. So I couldn't imagine him not seeing it, you know, in that same light as many others do. Yeah. I, I feel that it's just, it's just incredible. Like what YC has done just to, to, to the world is the, the, just the impact is, is, is monumental. Um, if you just look at some of the, some of the companies, I, and I think that like what, what's also happening is you got like Daniel Gross, who, who was, who was a partner who now is doing like Pioneer. I, I'm starting something similarish to Pioneer. Like, t- I guess technically you could consider it like a YC competitor, but like on a way different scale, obviously, um, mm-hmm. like, like way smaller scale, but it's just like YC pretty much told the world, like you don't have to be an MBA grad to start a company. You can be a hacker or you can be a nobody, but you can be a somebody with the right help. Um, and it's just, it's incredible. Absolutely. You know, they were the first ones to do it and they completely changed the game for companies, uh, that model. And now that everybody's tried to recreate, uh, 
you know, there's just something that YC does that yeah. you can never recreate. So they got a great little moat. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah, yes, they do. And I, um, it's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of it. Um, so a couple more questions and then we will, we'll, we'll, uh, kind of wrap it up. So for going back to your company, Balto on the product vision, let's like start to go a little farther out. Um, you, we can, we can even talk about like the 10 year, 20 year vision, but like, where would you like to row the boat? of your company and in a decade, where would you like to have landed? And let's assume that regulation is, 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 uh, in your regulation works in your favor. Let's assume just things work out. Where could you see Balto going? I love that. So everything, the whole reason we, when we started this was, you know, in hopes too that, you know, regulation wouldn't be, uh, this big factor, you know, hovering over us. But, uh, if I were to look in a, you know, an optimal world, I've always been, excited about what happens between people and kind of eliminating the notion of the house, which is Vegas, you know, your sports book, them taking a percentage. I love the fact that when you think about everyday life, you're making a bet or a bunch of bets every single day. It's, you know, we had a little trouble getting on the technology here. So, I, you know, I bet next time you're going to be thinking, you know, it's probably not going to work or I wonder how long it's going to take. Or, you know, if I'm late to a meeting, um, you know, all these different things, uh, you know, I, I mentioned my sister having a baby, there's so much yeah, um, interaction going on there. So for us to create a, a place where you can go and, and engage with, you know, people like that over a, a topic you're very interested in or enthusiastic about, um, and not have to worry about Vegas, but it, you know, all just really emphasizing that competitive social engagement that happens between people every day. It happens in group chats. It happens, you know, between, uh, coworkers, family members, it doesn't matter. And so being able to bring that to the forefront, um, for sports and much further beyond. That's awesome. I love it. And I, and I hope it all happens. And I hope regulators realize that it's good. It, it, like that's a good thing to happen to the world. Um, so I, I'm, I'm on your side for sure. Uh, I do want to finish with one final category. I mentioned it briefly earlier, but I do want to know how you feel about it. So right now you're tackling sports, uh, you know, golf, football, basketball, whatever you're, you're, you're tackling. And then you got what's happening in gaming and esports. Just as a whole, how do you view esports as an industry, um, personally maybe? And then as a CEO of Balto, um, how do you look at esports through that lens? Yeah, just as a whole, I think it's incredible, you know, what's going on. And it's, um, you know, you're starting to see a bunch of the infrastructure, you know, coming to place and making it much easier, more available, more competitions. Um, you have this user base that is extremely obsessive. They have a, a really high propensity to spend, which is great for, you know, investors, companies, et cetera. Um, so the, the space as a whole is, is you know, the, you can look all across and, and be excited about one thing or another. Um, you know, as Balto, the types of competitions that we're powering aren't very indifferent than, you know, what you'd see that goes on for their larger competitions. And one of the reasons why we have the growth we have is because in a large part, you have these really big, quote unquote, professional tournaments where, you know, only the best qualify. Well, the amount of people that don't qualify that still want to play in something that looks and acts similar to that tournament is much bigger than that actual tournament or that payout that people are, are 
drooling over. And so getting to those people and getting them the tools that are, that we can do on the sports side and, you know, hopefully do on an esports side in the future uh, is something that's really exciting for us. Man, I, I'm not kidding. There will be a, so this is what should happen at some point whenever this does happen. I'm going to reach out to you. I'm be like, yo, I'm ready to start an Arizona esports league. It doesn't, it doesn't even have to be Arizona, but regardless, I'm starting an esports league. Let's make it happen. And then you're like, great, but should you be focused on something else? And if I say no, then it's game time because it's a very good <laughs> chance I'm a, probably sh- should be working on something else. But <laughs> I think the vision's awesome, man. I, I think this is such a cool platform. There's so much you can do with it. I'm actually, like, honestly, all joking aside, very excited about the implications for esports leagues. Not like the big, big, big leagues, but just minor leagues. Like, if I wanted to start something. So, you know, good for you for making it, making it happen. My, my, last, my last question for you before we call it a day is, uh, or I guess a night, it's technically night over here is uh, you, you, I mean, you, you're, you're building this platform. It's obviously been a lot of work. You have a lot of work ahead of you. You got regulation, all this stuff, and you, you can probably use some help. Any founder can use help. And you got all these people listening, the, the, the hundreds of millions of people, no, not hundreds of millions, but you got people listening that, uh, that, that think what you're doing is cool, I bet. And they want to help. So do you even ask at all, for the forward-thinking founders community, something that you need help with that you think one or two or all the listeners could help you out with? We need we need a lot of people to uh, to test it out and give us constant feedback. So you know if you're if you want to uh, if you're interested in golf at the moment, um, come on in. Uh, if not any sport, come check in on us. Would love to just get any thoughts unfiltered. You know any which way. We're super receptive on the on our chat line. So come through there. Um, you know, anyone appreciates feedback, particularly, uh, when you're, you know, involved and so invested in something like this. So I think that that's really the best for me. If someone wanted to find you on the internet and, um, and I mean, uh, and get into your platform and test it out, where, where can they find you? What's, what's the URL or what's the social link? Yeah. So play Balto, P L A Y B A L T O.com. All right. Well, I'm excited for you and I'm excited for the esports thing that at some point will be built in, in, in the mid future. Thank you for so much for coming on to the podcast. Really appreciated it. And I just think what you're building is cool. So keep up the work and keep up the good work and uh, hope you have a good rest of your day. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.